Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, we are looking at our first Shakespeare play. Woo! Uh, and it is A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is a comedy. Um, which doesn't always mean it's funny, but this one is really funny. <laughs> it's, um, very funny. it's very, very funny. Uh, so, yeah, what, Victoria, what's A Midsummer Night's Dream about? I don't, I'm not very good at. Uh, talking about the plots, as we've discovered on Catholic Read, but um, I'll tell you a few points about the play, and then maybe okay. we can talk about the plot together. Because okay. there's I'm a lot not, that I'm goes on. I'm just not good at Stuff it, happens. especially when there are triangles, and you know, it's actually quite a complicated plot. So we all shall... got it Greek is. names. So I had to like go back to the start and be like, who is that person? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, basically, this play was written in about uh, the 1590s, and it was written just before uh, we believe Shakespeare started writing Romeo and Juliet. And it is a comedy, and um, scholars are uh, in heated contestation about this, but it's basically almost agreed upon that this was written for, first and foremost, for a private wedding. Later on, performed months later for a uh, public setting in a theatre, and the copy we now read is some form of amalgamated version of the private and public scene, which is why sometimes there are uh, uh, incongruous details in terms of time or who characters might be addressing because someone's just shoved it together but very artfully of course okay that's that's, uh, that's it, the prevailing theory because you've also got to remember too with most of shakespeare's plays the reason we have copies of them today in their complete uh, because he didn't write a single script he often wrote just individual parts which he handed to actors and we've got those individual parts and people mm. have basically mm. pieced them together mm. based on those individual parts or those individual scenes. So it's not just a problem for A Midsummer's Night Dream. It's also a bit of a problem with King Lear as well. And, uh, you know, that was my English, my year 12 English teacher's opinion of King Lear that Shakespeare had three different plays, uh, stumbled, uh, was holding three different plays, stumbled home a bit drunk, tripped, dropped them all, then put them back together in any which way order, and that was King Lear. Oh. <laughs> Seems legit. Yes. Legit. No one um, will notice. Yes. Um. And so that's, um, so, so Shakespeare's plays are as much constructed mm. after the f- after they were written as much as they were, you know, so yes, they were written by him, but they're also then copied in individual parts. We, copied we out only have copies though. We only have copies. We don't have original scripts so. for the most of, for most of his plays. Mm. So that makes, that's an interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should also keep in mind point. that um, this story is one of Shakespeare's apparently original stories. He hasn't, such as Hamlet, he's, yeah, um, he, hasn't he took from somewhere story. else. He does, you'll notice if you're more of an astute or well-read uh, reader, I suppose, that he has borrowed from um, Ovid, um, like the Metamorphosis, that's where Titania is from, or from Greek mythology. He's from British folklore as well, that's where Puck and Robin Goodfellow, well, he's the same person, but that concept has come from but he hasn't uh adapted a story he's no. made this up and it's it's really entertaining i think yeah so let us tell you what the story is yes how's how's that sound okay well um there's oh, i'm getting hopeless at this because i don't remember any of their names so let's start at the beginning of okay. it you like have this... theseus and hippolyta the who... archduke and his soon-to-be wife and his soon-to-be wife and they are awaiting their wedding 
um, very excitedly, and they have commissioned a play to be performed at their wedding, very much like the origins of this play. Um, mm. And you meet the actors who are going to be performing the play that is commissioned later. But initially you are introduced to the love triangle, which is... Composed of four people. Yeah, this weird love quadrangle, which is composed of four people. You have uh, Helena, who is the object... uh, Helena, who is the object of two men's affections, Lysander and Demetrius. Helena, Helena is to be married to Demetrius, but she's in love with Lysander. And then you also hear mention of a... No, sorry, I have gotten this up? all mixed up. Because they both start with hate. It's Hermia, sorry. Hermia is Hermia the is object in... of everyone's affection. Yes, Hermia is the centre of attention here. She is in love with Lysander, but supposed to be married to Demetrius and doesn't want to marry Demetrius. Helena is lovesick, absolutely madly in love with Demetrius, but he doesn't love her, he loves Helena. Mm. So... Actually, at one point he did love... He did. Um, so he like, did love yes, Helena. He did love, uh, yes. Yes, Helena then... is his weird clingy ex-girlfriend, and, um... essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a very, that's a very moving little little part here. How about yes, for, the, for the sake of just you know getting the story along? Um, okay, so this is this is Helena talking. She's just kind of figured out that uh, Demetrius is madly in love with Hermia and not her anymore. And she says, "Through Athens, I am thought as fairest she, but what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I, admiring of his qualities, think." Things base and vile, holding no quantity. Love can trans- transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste, wings and no eyes, figure unheedy haste. And therefore is love said to be a child, because in choice he is so oft beguiled. As waggish boys in game themselves forswear, so the boy love is perjured everywhere. For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's iron, he hailed down oaths that he was only mine. And when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, so he dissolved, and showers of oaths did melt. So she's just distraught. Yes. Sad. She's really, really sad. So basically because Hermia has to marry uh, Demetrius, Mm. because that's what her father wants her to do. Her father Aegis. Yes, her father Aegis, yes. And um, basically her and Lysander conspire to elope together. And... Um, go visit, go uh, visit Lysander's, Lysander's aunt or something, aunt or something yeah. like that. Who is you know who out the back and, of nowhere, yeah, we're, we're out through this wood, out of the reach of the Athenian law. Yes, and the Woiwoi woods. Yes, something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as in you know when someone's out in like Woiwoi or Whoop Whoop, the Whoop Whoop woods. <laughs> <laughs> the Woiwoi woods. I'm like That's no, 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 no. Well, Woiwoi and Whoop Whoop are usually sometimes interchangeable, which is terrible that. because Woiwoi is an actual place. Yes, Whoop Whoop. Is it no? Yes. No. Yes, it is. Oh, wow. dear. Okay, well, they go out to Whoop Whoop Woi Woi Woods, yes. <laughs> basically out nowhere. Um, and um, <laughs> Helena figures out that they're about to go and elope, and so in an effort to try and get Demetrius to pay attention to her, he, she tells him that uh, Lysandra and Hermia are going to it's elope. It's not an actual place. It's not an actual place. There it's not go. an actual place. Whoop Whoop is not an actual place. Woi Woi is. Woi Woi is Maybe Boondocks is an actual place. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I think it is, actually. Anyway. anyway, so Helena tells Demetrius that uh, Hermia and Lysander are going to Twi- go off and le- uh, elope, thinking that he'll just get over it and go back to her. 
Yeah, Not so. no, he goes to the woods. goes to go and fetch Herbie up. As though anything else was going to result <laughs> from this. And poor Helena is, and poor Helena is tagging along, begging for his attention, and it's quite sad and pathetic, really. And poor Demetrius. Not quite pathetic. She's the she's the epitome of pathetic. She at one yes. point she at one point implores him to even if he can't love yeah. her, treat her like a spaniel. Yes, and, that's right. And yes. like beat just her. let me come with you. It's, yes, it's terrible. Oh, yeah, it's she so... needs to get a grip she's on like, life. Yes, yeah, she really oh, needs it's to. So sad. She it needs, is sad. She needs to get needs a hold of herself. But Demetrius also needs to stop being a jerk. Um, it's true. He's like, I'd rather kill. Like he's like, he'd kill her. And I'm yeah. like, bro, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I know she's annoying she and all. Chill. Um, so we need to get through this plot. We really do. Like anyway, act so one okay. All right. So then in comes the other set of characters, which is the parallel story running through here, which is Tita- the row between Titania, Queen of the Fairies, and Oberon, King of the Fairies. And they have some argument over this the, Indian the child. The argument, yeah, basically is <laughs> that Titania has... Child and yeah, Oberon wants child him, but Titania... So, oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Oberon wants him, but Titania won't let him have it, so they're having a fight. And so they decide to just take it out on the rest of the... Fairy world. <laughs> Fairy world, because... human world. Yes, actor world because they're capricious because they're capricious little se- demigod fairies of some description anyway and so Oberon instructs Puck to go get this magical flower that produces this nectar love or sap elixir. or whatever, love elixir uh, or whatever or something, yes know. and um basically it, you know if you drop it on someone's eyes while they're sleeping they will fall in love with the first thing they see when they wake up whether it's a bear or a tree or whatever or yeah. a person or whatever it happens to be so Puck goes and gets the flower, but before he gives it to Oberon to put on Titania's eyes, he finds the. He's instructed. No, he's instructed by Oberon to because they because Oberon sees um, uh, the mess that uh, is Demetrius between and yeah. and, uh, and Helena. Helena stumbling and through the woods. He kind of feels sorry, sorry for, for Helena. Helena, and so he goes. He says, "Go and put it on this Athenian, Demetrius's eyes." So he just says Puck, Athenian, though he doesn't say he doesn't the name. Say, he doesn't say who. And so he goes off, Puck goes off and finds an Athenian, Lysander. Who happens um, to be Lysander, who, not Demetrius. Not Demetrius. Puts it on his eyes and he wakes up and finds... Helena waking him up. Helena waking him up. So Lysander, keeping track here, because it gets very complicated. Lysander, Lysander now loves Helena. Is madly in love with Helena. Who loves Demetrius, who loves Hermia, mm-hmm. who loves Lysander. <laughs> so it's like, it's a love... Um, I don't know what you'd call that. Like a, a polygon. I don't know. It's a bit complicated. There's just a lot it's going, going on. It's going in on itself. Yes. Yes, um, it's very complicated. And then later on, um and uh, he also he also uh, puts it and this was the initial reason why he got the love potion in the first place was to put it on um, Titania's eyes. Titania's eyes as a bit of a practical joke. Puts it on eyes. She wakes and Puck also transforms one of the actors, one of these who's performing actors. in who they're practicing in the woods. Yes, they're well. practicing for the play to be performed yeah. at Theseus and Hippolyta's wedding, yes. and, and their names oh, are Quince, Puck, Bottom, sorry, Snug, Quince, Snout, Bottom, and Snug. No, 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 Snug the Joiner, Starfling. So there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of blokes and they're performing a they're going to perform the tragic love story of Pyramus and Thisbe. Mm-hmm. And the most ridiculous of them, his head is uh turned, turned into, into a, a donkey into a donkey's head and um Puck uh makes it so that he is the first person to see 
Well, Titania sees him first. So Titania basically falls in love with a man with an ass's head. Yes, as and the juxtaposition is meant to be quite intense because she's meant to be very graceful and beautiful, and he and she's already ridiculous, but he's got this donkey's head now, and he's even more ridiculous. Like it's so. Funny. Um, <laughs> let, let's let's get yes, this going. So continuing on, we're already eleven minutes into this episode. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. So continuing on, um, oh, what happens then? So um, later on, um, Ober- Oberon realizes the ridiculousness yes. of this whole thing. He's like, and it gets out of hand. You, you silly person! You, you've done the wrong thing. You, you put need it on the wrong Athenian. And put you need to go and put it on um, Demetrius. Demetrius's eyes. So. He puts the he puts it on Demetrius's eyes and it works as 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 planned. He falls in, in love, love with, with Helena. Helena. But now oh, you okay. have Demetrius and Lysander battling it out for with Helena, the complete opposite of what we had before. And so that's And now they're and they're getting resolved. very, very aggressive with each other too. Yeah, they go they're gonna have a duel and stuff, and Oberon is like had it with the situation. So he orders Puck to then go put a kind of reversal spell mm-hmm. on Lysander. And so now the love triangle is now two separate just love... Couples. Couples. And Demetrius it... is still madly in love with Demetrius Helena. Demetrius is in love with Helena. I said is now back in love with Hermia and all as well. And then well. they all go out of the woods and um, the Archduke seems to have no problem with forgiving everyone and then they go watch the play performed by the actors, which is ridiculous. We'll on the night of Theseus and Hippolyta's wedding. And, that, and that's really it. Yeah, we, we kind of we kind of skip the, the last. No, three but acts, that's but really that's how it is. It. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. And they then all, we see the play get performed. Married, everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, by the way, um, the fairy queen is no longer in love with the donkey head guy. Oh yeah. yes, that he guy, gets turned gets back to normal so well. that he can go perform. And the her and Oberon live happily ever after. They're sort of they of the opinion that oh, you're sort of... you're both so you know you're so cheeky. No, you're so cheeky. And then they just go and off and be in love again. They're like they're very they're very forgiving. And that's it. That's basically it. So, it's it's ridiculous and it's hilarious. It's and so funny. It's very funny. especially really, the the, really the funny. play at the 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 play within the play at the end because Shakespeare just makes fun of himself essentially. It's, it's amazing. Makes fun of himself and all comedies and, and all tragic love and, stories hereafter. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. Um, it's, so, and it must be a lot of fun for actors who have to who get the opportunity to perform this script because they get guess, to act badly. Yes, intentionally <laughs> on purpose. You get to be a wall. Or a moonshine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or as I saw, or as, or as I saw in a in a bell in a Bell Shakespeare performance, someone was a fountain too. Okay. And they did just actions. adding ridiculous. <laughs> yes. It's so bad. It's just doing bad. arm actions, you know, spouting <laughs> like a fountain, and did that for the entire time. It was really funny. <laughs> so, what are we um, going to talk about? What are we going to talk about the thing. The thing that I thought, given that we were we were reading this. At a certain point in time, that certain point in time is going to have influences. And so the thing that was really coming out to me was um, about this is the, how do I put it? The kind of, the way that the characters, that the lovers, I guess you could say, go to and fro between being madly in love with this that this person and that person. And then totally cold and, no, and I don't want you. And then going all over the place. It, I think one of the interesting things about it is the demonstration of Luke's going to be a little bit of a, a bit of a pessimist here. But, like, it, it is a demonstration of, I guess, there's a certain weakness within... Um, how would I put it? Um, the kind of lover's infatuation. Like, the weakness within that. 
And the reason why I bring... Sorry. Sorry, just to point out, the little section that I read before about Helena talking about love being a small boy, that's what she's talking about. The yeah, fact the that, capriciousness. Of, yeah. In, yeah. And it's important to point out that she is using the word love here, and she, I'm sure she is thinking of the actual thing of love, but really the whole book is probably more about infatuation. It is. That's, that's Except what, that's potentially what Lysander and Hermia. That seems to be legit. Yeah, I mean, mm, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not for me to try and analyse it like that. But what I just found interesting about it... That's usually is how it's that, performed anyway. Okay. Yeah. What, what I found really interesting about it is just this, this whole notion that our, well, here comes Luke, our society <laughs> today, I can, I can feel a rant coming on. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I'll, I'll make it short. Our society today, I think, sees this kind of love um, as as being, I guess, the highest of all relationships. Well, not just love. Can you in see where sense. I'm going with this? I can see where you're going. Hashtag with this, that, love wins. Well, that's where I'm going. Not with even this. that, but it's not even. It, it's just one particular type of love, which is mm. this very, which is which is limerence. It's fickle. Essentially, it's not. Well, it's not fickle because it's limerence. It's a biochemical. And, oh, okay. And right. so well, this is. So someone, so someone, anyone who does any knows anything about a bit about the biochemistry of infatuation. There's this state that you go into when you first meet someone who, um, you know, who you fall in love with, and it's this chemi- You're basically on a constant chemical high, and they call it limerence, and it can last anywhere between six months and two years, depending on, um, depending on how when um, the sexual the sexual act comes into the relationship, but after sort of the two, after sort of the maximum two year mark, limerence fades because mm. you get used, your body gets used to that kind of chemical stimulation, and so you need, like, you know, if you're not careful, you can act, basically act like a cocaine addict looking for the next high or the mm. next thrill. So that's where that's kind of what our society figures is love. Yeah. When and we say hashtag love wins. So if if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about with hashtag love wins, is that after the um now recent Supreme Court decision in the United States that, to sum up, I guess, is that same-sex marriage is now a legal right in the United States. That's probably not the correct way of rendering it, but... Anyway. Let's just go with that. Um, You saw this this whole thing of that on both sides of the argument concerning same-sex marriage, you have, you know, the, the people who just, you know, we have the right to be able to marry the person we love. And the people on the other side are the people who just hate love. You know, they just don't want these people to marry the person, to, to publicly declare their love to a person. Now, the Christian, Catholic, well, everything except up until, you know, not that long ago, understanding of marriage is that that's not what marriage is. I mean, it's a part of it, but it's not It's not completely And we're not saying that is. that's... That, that it, that it that... shouldn't be there, because... It's wonderful. Like I'm not going to knock limerence. Well, yeah. And, well, no. And but also, like, and also, it's not to deny the role that eros plays mm. in the divine plan either, because you know, I mean, Pope Benedict has talked about a divine eros pervading the cosmos, and eros being at the fore of the creative, you know, at at one one of the hearts of the creative forces of God is this wild, passionate. Um, you know, desire. You know, desire that mm. you know was the seed of the create seed of the created world. So there's, this is not. But this is not. This 
the in fact these got the thing that this you know chemical juicy th- flower juice thing does is not eros in a sense either because you know cupid's all about eros obviously um in fact that's his name in the greek in greek but um he's you know this is an eros this is just infatuation mm. this is just plain old infatuation and it's ridiculous yeah, and this is what, well, Shakespeare, what Shakespeare and this, really brings. That yeah, out and this is well. what Shakespeare is trying. I think is, you know, that's why this play is so darn funny, but also I think it's a really important commentary on trying to, dis- you know, on trying to distinguish between infatuation and eros because you know it's eros is important in marriage. It's important in all romantic relationships. Um, but it can't be. It can't be the can't sole be the basis. Anchor point it can't be the of, anchor point of it because, as you mentioned. It will it will disappear. It can it can like I I don't know you'd you'd know this much better than I would, but it can. It's something that can be I guess rekindled and but it can't be, it can't be the thing that you base marriage on in a society because we're going like, and again I'm, I'll try and skip over this very quickly. But this whole thing about same sex marriage isn't. Um, sometimes Christians can fall into the temptation of thinking that this is. Um, that this is a uh, something that's going to cause problems, and it will cause problems. But it's mostly a symptom. It's mostly a symptom of this kind of infatuation-based view of love mm. as the bedrock of marriage. Yes. Um, because yes. I mean, it's it's so sad, and I don't mean to um, to put down anyone who's who's been in a failed marriage or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but you hear so much that. One of the reasons, I guess, you know, amongst celebrities, we could say, you know, of of marriage breakdown is that we're not in love with each other anymore. But what, when you analyse what does that actually mean, does that simply mean that I don't have that feeling anymore? You know, we... Because quite, be often, cause quite, quite often, in and, those, and, especially in those more amicable... Like, well, later, well it's, but especially more amicable divorces, too, they still care for each they other quite apart, deeply, you know. The, well, they, but they still care about mm-hmm. each other quite deeply on an objective fact, but they don't see that as the... Yeah, you still kind of love each other. Yeah. You know, it's just not wild, heady, you know, chemical-induced passion, but it's... You know, you still kind of, you actually are still kind of love, you know, in love with each other. But anyway, that's yeah, I just think that this this play is quite interesting because I think it does it does highlight the weakness of basing a society's view of marriage. Because at the end of the day, this this play is about mar- they they get married. That's yeah. the whole point. And it's interesting because we can't just blame you know this whole idea of marriage on on the sixties or something. Like I mean, this is something that's been in our culture for a long time. It's just that or society for a long time humanity in fact but it's just that we've always i guess the 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 wiser amongst us you could say um have known that that it's not all that marriage can possibly be Mm. you know it must be something stronger and quite frankly it's something more beautiful than that it's something way more beautiful you know at the end of the day you know a person a person giving themselves for someone that they're they're madly in love with that they're both madly in love with each other is beautiful but it's not as beautiful as someone giving themselves to someone else when they don't really feel like it and the other person isn't really that responsive either mm-hmm. look at the cross be careful with that but when you look at the cross you know that's not that's certainly not you know Lysander skipping and in a f- skipping in fields of eglantine and whatnot no it's horrible yeah. it's horrific and yet it's the greatest act of love that the world's ever seen 
to sum up, love is an act of the will. It is not just emotions. And it's certainly Thank not... Thank you, Victoria. And it's You're certainly welcome. not... You saved us 10 minutes there. <laughs> and it's certainly <laughs> not uh, flower juice either. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but so... getting back to slightly lighter things, I do... One of the things I do love about this play um, is the characters of Oberon and Titania. Mm. They are some of my favourite characters of all time in Shakespeare <laughs> because they are the most ridiculous people I have ever come across. They're not people, they're fairies. And they're persons. Fairies are persons. Fairies That's... are persons. In, in, well, in this moment, sometimes fairies... Fair, fairy, and, and... Someone's a, someone can use that quote against me one day. Fairies they can cut person. that out and it's like, Luke's going for a job in some you know, important <laughs> thing. Fairies are persons. Um, <laughs> Denied. Um, no, um, no, and and it's one of those things. Like you know, I love uh, you know, I've always loved fairy stories and not fairy tales, but as in like you know, Disney type stuff, but actual stories with fairies in it because they play, they have such a complex role in, especially English folklore. And um, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're downright evil, and sometimes they're just like this. Precious and mischievous and bent on... And kind of neutral. Yeah, very neutral beings. It's, it's strange for humans, as I would say, moral beings, to read about the fairies. Because you're always trying to think, are they good or are they bad? And children mm. will ask you, is this is Puck good? And you say, well, not really. He's sort of, he's sort of he's neutral. Sort of in it. He's just in it for a laugh. He's, he's in it for a laugh. He's, he's not, yeah. He's... I'd like to think at the end, I think, let me present some evidence that perhaps supports the fact that he might be more erring towards good. So this yeah. is how the whole thing ends. Uh, keep in mind that this probably was addressed to the wedding audience yeah, and later it, on to what, the, the later on to like the theatre goers. So this is Puck addressing the audience. If we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended. That you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear, and this weak and idle theme, no more yielding but a dream. Gentles do not reprehend. If you pardon, we will mend. And I am an honest puck. If we have unearned luck, now to scape the serpent's tongue, and we will make amends ere long. Else the puck a liar call. So good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. So. Yes, and that's um, the cue to yeah. start clapping. And <laughs> so there is a, a reaching out of. Uh, uh, there's a bit of a peace offering here. A bit of a peace offering, like, but he's still wildly neutral most yes, of the time. Yes, and I do, and I do love that about fairies is because they they are the mo- they are the most morally complex characters. I think, mm. especially in children's stories, because yeah, even in children's um, stories, Tinkerbell in um, Jane Barry's Peter Pan, or even just in the movie, like they they kind of made a sort of more good than. Naughty, but but she does kind she, of had it in for Wendy. She, for did, a long she does while. try to kill Wendy a few yeah, times. That's pretty heavy stuff for a kid story. Yeah, this I guess there's kind of a sense of the with great power comes great responsibility. And mm. fairies kind don't of have a lot there. of responsibility. And they don't have a lot of responsibility. <laughs> they're not evil, but they're kind of just like they don't care. Whimsical. They just they, um, they, they just don't care. And um, but yeah, so I don't know. I just I, I always love fairies. I always think they're really interesting plot devices, or they're interesting sort of counterpoints <clears throat> to your heroes and your villains too because they kind of sit somewhere in the middle mm. neither and side that's, and that's exactly, basically that's exactly sticking around with does. who's going to create the most fun yeah that's basically what puck does in this is that he takes the situations and he kind of goes well you know what would be really funny give <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this guy a donkey's head <laughs> like let's just do that to, yeah. add, to add on to this i recently saw a production in sydney and just the characterization of the puck fellow he had um 
He had eyeliner and spiky black hair and a bandana, uh-huh. and he had a sort of Jack Sparrow-esque sort of swagger. Yeah. And yeah, so, I he, he, so, and that just heightened the uh, what the material there is to play with here, and he yeah. was just mischief like personified. It was fantastic to watch. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, mind you, I've seen most pucks I've seen have had that like sort of mildly intoxicated swagger, <laughs> but wearing leaves on their head, so you could take them slightly less seriously. Mm, I suppose. Unless it's uh, Stanley Tucci in the film, uh, he's still wildly outrageous, but yes. a little bit more sober. Yes. Um, but yeah, but even just Titania too. Like she's just such a princess. <laughs> like she really is. She's like everyone's like, I want your slave child. No, you cannot have him. <laughs> you know, cannot have like, my slave child. Why not? Because I said so. <laughs> like, yeah, she, it's just like it's the most nothing argument you've ever seen, it's and great. yet they nearly like destroy. No, she, she it has a little bit of an argument. She says, "Look, this, 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 no, this, this child, this child was the was the foundling of my dear friend in India who has passed away, and I take responsibility oh, right. for him. Yes, yes, However." Yes. Titania uh, or Titania. I think kind of making that up. Oh, potentially. This is, <laughs> like, we'll never know, and this is the beauty of Shakespeare's plays. There's so much room for interpretation. But basically, because Titania and Oberon are married, they should have uh, in joint custody. And she's basically just Saying, hogging him. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and Oberon's not pleased with that. And so Titania has banished him from her bed. Which is oh, which is a shame. <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here going as far as marital disputes. I think a lot of them could a lot of a lot of them come down to silly. That things definitely like doesn't this. come up on the you know the divorce form like this 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 wouldn't give me their slave child. You know, <laughs> um, it's not one of the criteria. <laughs> so so just just when we're talking about slave child here. So I'm just looking up <clears throat> here now. You know how I mentioned because he's never mentioned as a slave. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm just taking that from you. I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah, yeah. It's because boy comes mm. for the, the term boy. It's not really used anymore. Actually, Americans who are listening, like if there's any Americans listening to this, would probably understand this a lot better than Australians. And this really came out when Burt Newton, a number of years back, Muhammad Ali came out for like the Logies or something like that. And Burt Newton used to have this saying that goes, I like the boy, which is like, I really like this guy. And he says it to Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali looks at him really... And Bert Newton's Looks like just, he's about to punch him. Well, sort of. <laughs> and Bert Newton's just kind of confused by the whole situation. Anyway, he finds out later that boy is a term used, that's used offensively to African Americans because it's it comes like in sort of the, the time during slavery in the United States. It was used as a as a term for slave for the slaves. And then Mount later slaves. was used specifically as a derogative term for African Americans. Oh wow! Um, of course, Burton Newton had absolutely no idea. Like for Australians, we have no idea about these things. But going back even further than that, the term actually does have its origin not in some kind of racial thing, but it actually does mean a slave child, boy. Um, now it just means a male child. It has no connotations to slavery, at least in most forms of English. Um, there you go. And so that's why in Shakespeare's time, when he used the term boy, he would have been referring to a slave child. There's, there was no, I'm just having a look here. Yeah, the, the only later term for it was um, in the 17th century, it was used specifically for non-white male servants, which he's Indian, but I mean, I don't think that's Shakespeare not had that in mind. I don't think Shakespeare necessarily, it was non-white, no. non-white male servants, but I don't think he would have had that in mind. He specifically no, would have had in mind. But anyway, there's a bit of uh, English Fun fact. Etymology, etymology for you. Yeah. Um, but, 
Yeah, um, I think <clears throat> we're very much running out of time, though. Yes, we are. We're yes, running we are. out of time. So, um, is there any final thoughts about the Midsummer Night's Dream? The, the way, the, the structure of it, I thought was quite fascinating about how you have, again, we talk about the power of, of each form of literature. And with this, you can see how the different ways that each of the ways that the fairies speak, the ways that the, the nobles speak, and then the ways that the, the guys, the, the plebs... The, 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 the plebs kind of just speak in... They don't, they don't have any rhythm to their... Have you noticed Shakespeare, that? Shakespeare the um, writes in various forms. Sometimes he'll write in iambic pentameter or yes. pentameter. And that is meant for really lofty speeches. But it's also heightened and uh, perfected normal speech patterns. That's how we talk normally, yeah. more or less. <clears throat> um, but sometimes if he wants to make a specific point, like um, someone is saying something that's not quite truthful, he'll disrupt the meter. Or, like you've suggested, perhaps if they are more... Um, uh, if they are the characters of, hum of humbler origins, they might speak... Uh, out of this meter. I didn't notice it, but I was skimming it's the play maybe, this time round. If you go and have a look at, like, uh, Act 1, Scene 2, I think it would be, you'd be able to see the difference. Well, I trust you. I just I wasn't looking for it. Oh, so okay. there you go. <laughs> Thank you for trusting me. Keeping in mind, uh, listeners, if you're ever in, you know, amongst company and... Um, don't want to watch TV or listen to the radio or uh, listen to each other's conversation, pull this off the shelf, really just go to any long paragraph and just be a little bit silly and read it out loud because yeah. these, the, they are, they, it's true. It's not just um, for literature nerds, <laughs> but it's just, it's so much fun. Like for instance, there's this bit here. This is probably one of my favorite like little snippets. And this is Lysander who, What's before he doing then? It? Before then, he'd been madly in love with Hermia, madly in love, and she was madly in love with him. And he got uh, uh, Puck had his flower sapped, and um, now flower sapped. Um, and Hermia is looking at him like, "Don't you, don't you love me anymore?" Whilst he's fawning over Helena, he says, "Content with Hermia? No, I do <laughs> repent the tedious minutes I with her have spent. Oh. Not Hermia, but Helena, I love. Who will not ch change a raven for a dove?" The will of man <laughs> so is by awful. his reason swayed, and reason says you are the worthier maid. Things growing are not ripe until their season, so I, being young, till now ripe not to reason, and touching now the point of human skill, reason becomes the marshal to my will, and leads me to your eyes where I overlook love's stories written in love's richest book. And so this is him just... Ouch! <laughs> apply iced water to that bird! <laughs> and it's... <laughs> but... Really, take my advice. Just, just take it off the shelf. Read it amongst friends. It's hilarious. Seriously, and we'll talk it. Um, and it's even funnier yeah. watching people who are who haven't like who are a bit rusty at reading out loud try and read Shakespeare out loud. That can make for some funny times too. But it's also an excellent exercise in dictation yes. and um and and reading. Yes. So don't don't be discouraged if you're not very good at reading out loud. Because I'm not either. So yes. go for it. Um, Free brain training from your local library. We're, yeah. we're talking. We were talking about this um before before we started, Kiara and I, yeah. about how just if you only read one scene in this whole play, <laughs> make sure that it is Act 5, Scene 1. Seriously. Oh, is, is this the play? This is the play. <laughs> this is the, play. This is the this tragic is like, love story of Pyramus and Thisbe. Seriously, 
so Actually, funny. Actually, hang on. I need because I need it's to read the death the, scene. The play, it's not just the play itself. And this is what we're talking about, like, the different the different meters and that. You can see that these guys who originally were in not really any sort of oh, meter Oh, I do see what you mean, yes. Are now trying to speak in this heightened heightened form and it's of terrible. speech and it's rubbish like <laughs> you say like die 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 just to just to kind of like fill out it's, the, it's, it's worth it reading line it's and... worth it reading bottom who is who is stabbing himself he has stabbed himself I'm pretty sure <laughs> and, 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 he's, he and he's still talking so he stabbed himself normal person would flop on the floor and he comes and out die. with this come tears confound out sword and wound the pap of Pyramus I the left pap where heart doth hap Thus die, die I. Thus, thus, thus. And he's still stabbing himself. <laughs> now I am dead. Now I am fled. My soul is in the sky. Tongue, lose thy light. Moon, take thy flight. Now, die, 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 die. In brackets, he dies. <laughs> and speaking from experience, watching this performed is one of the funniest things ever. Yes, you just see a whole bunch of actors doing a terrible job with this it's... terrible script, and, and you... they are having so much fun. You can see it in their eyes; they're almost crying because they're it's finding so, it so bad. funny. This, this line, this line here, but I, I, I was laughing so face. much at this. So this is when um, uh, the is it Pyramus? Is that his name? Is Disby's lover? Yeah. Yes. Is looking is I don't know talking to the wall or something, <laughs> but like he says. So there's, there's a wall played by a person. There's a person who plays a wall. Because no one thought because, of an actual prop. I don't know. <laughs> I guess they didn't have props. And this line here, it's just, it's so funny that Shakespeare can write so well. And now he's writing really bad. He's purposefully writing so badly. O grim looked night. O night with hue so black. O night, whichever art when day is not. O night, O night. Alack, alack, alack. <laughs> I fear my Thisbe's promise is forgot. And thou, O wall, O sweet, lovely wall, thou standest between her father's ground and mine. Thou wall, O wall, O sweet, lovely wall, show me thy chink to blink through with mine eye. It's so funny because he's addressing this wall. And he's, like, he's, he's talking can, to a wall. And, like, you can tell that they're like, oh, we can't think of how to fill out this line. Just keep writing about the wall, you know. <laughs> It's it's really it shows like how good Shakespeare is that not only can he write so well but he can purposefully write. You know what badly. that's like. I've heard apparently it's you know how riding a bike becomes second nature. Apparently, riding a bike poorly in films is a very difficult feat it to undertake. Be, yeah. So it would be similar to this. Just as a side note, if you ever see yeah, someone yeah. who or if you've ever heard, yeah like if you've ever heard good singers try sing and sing badly, it still it's, sounds all right. <laughs> well, I mean, but like they do it well because yeah. they're able to identify. Oh, excellent way. example of that actually. In, if they um, can stand to that, do it in that uh, classic, I think it's '90s film, My Best Friend's Wedding. Cameron Diaz, who I'm pretty sure can sing, uh, it, her character goes up for karaoke, and it's it's the the best and worst three minutes of your life. <laughs> <laughs> the, best, the best or the worst three minutes of your life, depending it's, on it's which so, sensory it's organ so you're using. Terrible. <laughs> you're using your ears. It is not good. Anyway, you're watching we it. Probably we should probably wrap up there. But that was <laughs> seriously that was. Very, very funny. And, like, even... It's not just for the play itself, but also the quips by the Athenian nobles. Yes, they're, they're, you're they're commenting they're on the like play. The, they're having, like, the... Oh, yeah. 
Like, just the burns that they have in that. Yes. I was reminded And, like, literally, Hippolyta says, This is the silliest stuff I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and these is, like, best in this kind are but shadows, and the worst are no worse. For if, imagi- if imagination will amend them. So he's basically saying, well, it could be worse. At least, they- <laughs> at least this is an original thought. <laughs> when the, the, so the Athenians, after the wall finishes speaking, or the wall's last line is, through which the fearful lovers are to whisper. Then the Athenians say, would you desire lime and hair to speak better? And then Demet- <laughs> Demetrius? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Demetrius kind of comments, it is the wittiest partition that I've ever heard, my dear lord. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very funny. It's very funny. Like, just the little quips that they have. It's like in the Muppets, those two guys up in the... Yes, up in the in the box. Yeah, like 400 years ago. This is like, I was saying to Kira, this is the origin, or perhaps not the origin, but evidence of very early... British comedy, mm, right? Yeah. It's very but good, even though The Muppets is American. To, to sum up, we recommend you read it. Um, just uh, a note as a teacher and as, as an English teacher, this is given to your sevens. Of course, they have problems with it, but, but it, it is, is one of actually the, the best it introductory Shakespeare play. Yeah, one of the um, easiest, and I use that term a little bit hesitantly, easiest of Shakespeare's plays and uh, to understand, and it's, it's probably the most entertaining. Um, Probably the most obviously entertaining yes. because some of his other plays uh, are extremely funny. You you just don't realise he's making a joke a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, there's a, I guess there's a lot of farce and that kind of thing. It's very yes. and if you, it's very slapstick. It's this slapstick. very slapstick. And take anyone you'd like to it because if, even if they don't understand the language, the play, oh, yeah, what's the going play on? is designed in a very physical way so that you'll understand based on what the actors are doing unless it's some form of strange interpretive dance <laughs> interpretation. What's going on? Yeah. Yes. All right. We really need to wrap up here. Yes, so, we do. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next. next surprise. Episode. So we're going to make it another surprise. It's always a surprise. But, um, yeah, join us next time on Catholics Read. Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.